0: This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by Audible.com. If you would like to support this podcast and start a 30-day trial membership, visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. Season 11, episode 27.
1: This is Writing Excuses, the element of thriller.
0: 15 minutes long. Because
1: you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. All right. Now, most of our other episodes and titles have fit very well in the grammar we're using. The element of thriller doesn't sound <laughs> quite as good, um, but if you're unfamiliar, I actually was unfamiliar with this as a genre until I became a writer. I had always just called them, oh, like, spy books or things like this. Thriller is a really well-established book genre. I'm sure you guys all know what it is, even though I didn't. Um, but as an elemental genre— we're looking at the idea of being in danger, being chased, uh, kind of the suspense of knowing that someone is trying to kill you, or that, you know, if you don't stop this bomb from going off, the whole city is blown up, this sort of thing. That is
2: that is our, um, our elemental genre. You know, speaking <laughs> from the standpoint of someone who periodically suffers from anxiety attacks— uh, the thriller genre for me differs from horror mm. in that horror is existential dread and thriller is is constant anxiety right it's this it's this tension that uh it differs it differs a lot for me mm-hmm. uh, from yeah. from dread it, that that
3: tension and that sense of anxiety is really what separates it a lot of mm-hmm. procedurals if you amp up the tension and make them a little more breathless, they become thrillers.
2: Right.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the things is that, the, the, one of the differences for me between horror and, and thriller, the kind of fear that you're experiencing, is that in horror, it's really about the fear of the unknown.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And with thriller, it's really, you know what is coming. You know, right. You, you know, and it's, it it is this fear of, You know, you can see what is about to happen. Right,
1: and as we talked about in horror, sometimes in horror the fear is of something worse than death. Yeah. With thriller, it's mostly death, but death of loved ones, death of self, destruction of the city. But the real calling card is that they keep that tension up for as long as possible.
2: The classic uh, 60s, 70s, 80s era thrillers, uh, at least (laughs) as written in the United States, are— uh, being trapped forever on the other side of the Iron Curtain. Mm. You know, the spy getting caught. Yeah. You know that that is a possible consequence, uh, and authors played that up over and over and over again. The place um, where
1: I really figured out Thriller, the first time I really dug into it, uh, was actually, it was Dan and I. Um, uh, it was when the Da Vinci Code really took off. Mm-hmm. And the entire publishing industry was saying, whoa, wait. <laughs> Where did this come from? We've always known that thrillers have been bankable, but then this thing became the one of the really big breakout successes. Of course, Tom Clancy had been doing this, and they're the Bourne identity books and things. So thrillers had all along been successful, but this one blew the lid off of everything else. So he and I sat down and read this and analyzed it and said, what is this book doing? Um, and it consisted of a lot of really interesting things, short chapters, very short chapters, each one with a cliffhanger, and, um, and even a lot of dirty trick cliffhangers where it's like, and he opened the door and new chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, always being chased and running somewhere. Took place in a very short period of time with a constant sense of we've got to outrace the bad guys. Um, they're chasing us and we're trying to figure out. It was a mystery, but we really we, we have this time bomb on, on us. Um, and that together created one of the most compelling thrillers ever written. And I'll tell you, about halfway through that book, I was so tired of that book. <laughs> because but you all of that stop. tension, but you couldn't stop. That's exactly it.
2: Yeah the uh, uh, the tool of uh, elemental genre is extremely useful for mm-hmm. looking at things like the Da Vinci Code. Um, the yes, it's a thriller. Um, it is also there is, and I'm not sure if this is idea or mm-hmm. wonder, but the reveal in there. Uh, we know who the killer is, you know, we're the person we're running from. But this, the reveal of the mystery uh, is one of the things that made the book so appealing uh, because it was this huge sort of cultural aha, mm-hmm. wow, amazement thing.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the things that, again, when we're talking about what it is that you're trying to hack your brain to produce, with thriller more than pretty much any of the other genres, what you're trying to do is you're trying to hack the brain to produce adrenaline.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. And you'll see this is a very time-tested film genre as well. Lots of spy films, but anyone where, you know, the page-turner is really what we're looking for in books. Now, lots of genres can be page-turners, but the quintessential one is this, and they will do lots of interesting things in the books to enhance this. I remember Tom Doherty, who's the the publisher at Tor, telling me, yeah, with our thrillers, we make sure that the font is the largest that seems reasonable and that the margins are the widest that seem reasonable, for the f- sheer fact that you turn the pages faster and adds the format, you feel to it. like
3: you're reading more of a book. Go yep. pick up a James Patterson book. Yep. And statistically speaking, you already have several in your house. Um, <laughs> his books are about sixty-five thousand words, yep. which is super short, mm-hmm. um, and yet the books are big, fat, thick books because they do the font size and the margin size trick, and so you feel like you're getting a bigger book, and you feel like you're reading it faster.
1: Let's go ahead and stop for our book of the week, uh, which Dan is going to tell us about one of the greatest
3: thrillers of all time. Yeah, we mentioned Tom Clancy earlier. Uh, He wrote what people called techno thrillers, which was basically just their way of saying, hey, it's a thriller with a lot of military jargon in it. Um, My favorite of his was Patriot Games, which was one of the very, very first ones, um, which was about uh, the hero Jack Ryan fighting against Irish terrorists and being chased by and menaced by uh, terrorists. And it's a fantastic book. It keeps the tension high the entire time. It's incredibly believable. Tom Mm -hmm. Clancy knew his stuff. He did his research. He had, you know, countless experts that he had read the book and and, uh, give him hints and tips. And so the way he is able to take failures even. I remember one of the scenes in it that is so powerful is the military lands at uh, Jack Ryan's house to protect him from the terrorists but they can never get a good look at the bad guys, and so they never get permission to shoot them, so they just have to leave. And it's incredibly tense the entire time. Nothing happens, but it works so well as a thriller.
1: So that's Patriot Games, Tom Clancy, one of my favorite thrillers also. Um, It is read by Scott Brick, and you can head on over to Audible. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse, start a trial membership of Audible, and download the Patriot Games. So let's talk about writing a thriller. Um, how do you go about keeping this tension high for a long period of time? What are your tricks?
0: So one of the tricks that you can use is um, is the chapter breaks, Yep. Uh, w- what we've talked about. One of the things about a thriller is for the, the reader, it doesn't feel like there's a resting place. The, yeah. There's a good spot to put mm-hmm. it down. So one of the things that I do when I'm trying to do that – as a subgenre, but in mine is um, I put my resting places mid chapter, right? So that I make sure that my chapter breaks are coming at at a cusp point, at a, a scene changer. Uh, I mean, I, um, I I don't mean change of scene, but mm-hmm. something that changes things at a cliffhanger, essentially. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, one of the tools that we've talked about in the past uh, with regard to pacing is scene sequel format. Mm-hmm. And with thrillers, what I've found is that. Instead of being scene, sequel, scene, sequel for a lot of the book, it's scene, scene, little sequel, scene, scene, little sequel. We get less time to process what has been happening, mm-hmm. and we spend more time with things happening. Whether we're doing or whether it's being done to us, yes. the amount of time you get to spend yeah, processing well, and, and, it is less. And the processing time that you get in a thriller is often like, Oh, we finally
3: escaped that guy. Let's take stock of our resources right. and realize exactly how bad we have it. And yeah. so it's yep. a way of keeping the tension up during a moment of rest.
1: Now, I've written I've written three thrillers. Uh, the Steelheart books are thrillers with a uh, ensembles a subgenre. Um, and looking at this, having read like The Da Vinci Code and a lot of Tom Clancy and things, um, uh, one of the questions I had to ask myself is, what is my balance here, and where are my resting points? And um, I felt that. Some thrillers, for me personally, go too far in the tension never lets up, um, and I was writing hundred thousand words instead of sixty thousand words. So I do what Dan did. Um, there's a what what is it? you pull off this big thing, lots of explosions, um, things like this. Take a break, and then ramp up to the next one and have a big chase scene and things like this. And um, really, it was all about momentum. Um, I like a single viewpoint, and a lot of thrillers will do this. Tom Clancy doesn't. He has lots of multiple viewpoints. Um, But a single viewpoint makes it easier. And the real trick is those chapters. How are you going to have each chapter feel snappy and fast and powerful without having the dirty tricks? As we've said before on writing excuses, I feel personally that it's better to wow people with what's beyond the door rather than hook them by opening the door and not telling them what's there where if the ramifications of what's behind the door is so cool that they have to turn the page that's going to be a more fulfilling experience than saying and they open the door and and stopping. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah it it is really that you have to make sure that the payoff is mm-hmm. is worthwhile. I saw a uh, production of Dracula which was really terrible. Um in which there was <laughs> a scene change and they played the entirety of Right of the Valkyries. Right. And when we returned from the scene change, all they had done was move a coffin on stage and draw a black curtain across. And it was not worth the amount of time. Right. You expected there to be something really spectacular. Mm. And and to a certain degree, that's what happens with your readers. If you break yeah. at a moment of high tension, when you come back, the tension on the other side has to be as high. And mm-hmm. then it has to escalate from there.
2: A good example of... Uh, using multiple POVs to maintain the tension rather than break the tension Mm. is in our book of the week in Patriot Games. There is a home invasion scene in which we switch POVs from the people at the dinner table to the person who has stepped out of the room and the bad guys don't know he's there. Um, And it is a real-time swap. You know, we move from this moment to the very next moment in another room listening to what is happening. Um, Very, very fluid uh, and a lot of fun. Now, I want to ask a question here because I'm thinking through
1: the thrillers that I've read. And a lot of them are Born Identity style, I'm Being Chased, or Patriot Games, there are people hunting me. But I've read a lot of thrillers that are the opposite. The James Mm -hmm. Bond things are all thrillers, and he's always— not always, but a lot of times the chaser He's the rather than the, than the
3: chasee. So how does that work? That's how the Jack Reacher books work mm-hmm. as well. And a lot of these other kind of Alex Cross, the kind of series character, Yeah, often they are the ones doing the chasing. And the, the way that works is that there is still some kind of time crucible. Right. There is still block. that hammerlock yeah. that is forcing them to do something. Even though they're kind of, they have a little more power... Right, they have limited power within their environment. Okay, yeah,
0: and I, th- I think that that time bomb, metaphorically, but is one of the things about a thriller is that your protagonist doesn't really have time to prep and plan. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. there is there is a certain amount, and part of where the adrenaline comes from is the seat of the pants.
1: Right. Um, I would also say conversely um, that what makes a thriller a thriller is that. <sighs> It doesn't have to be a time bomb, but it really is going to be something like that. It's the difference between adventure. Adventure, we're going to go, and it's going to be fun, and we're going to do this thing. Whereas thriller is, if we don't do this thing, millions of people will die. Hmm. And that's a different tone, right? Yeah. Um, it doesn't even have to be a time bomb, but it has to be the characters, the consequences for the characters failing are m- much different than, well, we didn't get the cool stone or find the cool city. Um, we have failed in this cool thing we were trying. It is— great, now the terrorists have executed this person, or something terrible is going to happen if James Bond does not succeed in what he's doing. So in a lot of ways, it's like the epic, it's like an epic version of an adventure story in some ways. But I guess mm-hmm. it's not true because um, a lot of adventure stories go epic places.
0: Yeah, I was I was thinking about that um, and, and trying to think about how that plays out when we use thriller as a, this which we'll be talking we'll about. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But... I, I think I think you're right that the stakes in thrillers have to be high. Yeah. They don't necessarily have to be, and they're going to kill everyone, right? But it, it does. Mm-hmm. They, they do have to be. Well, in the significant. pursuit in the yeah. pursuit
2: thriller, where we're not running from, we're running after. Uh, often the stakes are a little higher in the running from thriller. I think the stakes are often very very personal.
1: That's true. That's uh, that's a really in, good point. It,
2: in uh, I can't remember the name of the book now, but it was uh, it, it was paced very very tightly all the way through, and the only person who is really at risk is the protagonist. Uh, but it was tense all the way through because we never stopped running. All right, let's go ahead and break and give you guys some homework.
1: Uh, Mary is going to make you do something.
0: All right, so we're going to talk about having you actually ramp up your your current work and get a little bit more thriller action in there. There's a very useful plotting tool called yes but no and which is the idea that every question, every action that your character takes is essentially a question. And it the question is, does this succeed? And your answers are yes, but things get worse, or no and things get worse. So what I want you to do is to look at what you've got going on and Find something that you currently have them succeed at, and then you have a nice resting spot, and then they go on to another thing. And take out the nice resting spot and make that success a little less triumphant. So essentially what I'm asking you to do is to have seen, seen. If you Mm -hmm. really need the sequel, if there's content in there, see if you can roll that into the next action scene. But what we want you to do is to tighten it up so that we've got a lot more breathlessness going forward.
1: All right. That's excellent. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write.
0: This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long standing and respected website, magazine archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror.